Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Hello and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan and Sonia O'Sullivan. Well, maybe it's uh, all the alone time. Maybe it's all the movies you've watched. Maybe it's just the flicking over of that calendar. But there's something about January that makes you want to reassess everything. If you had a plan to do something, regardless of whether it's running related or not, January just makes you rethink things. For me, it's the knowledge that this month where you have a bit less money, the weather might be a bit more crap, depending on where you are in the world, or the come down after Christmas, January is just always hard. Our chosen charity partner, Jigsaw.ie, can tell you all about that. I've tried in recent years, Sonia, to pack my January full of good stuff like trips and meetups and meals. And honest to God, those things haven't worked. All they've done is push the, you know, the dip further down the road. So I would dip in February instead. But how do we how do we shift the goals? Because that's definitely the thing that works, I think. Shifting them, moving them, adjusting them, reimagining your goals or targets so that you jump out of bed at the thought of doing them. How do we do it, Sonia? How, how can we make this happen for people? I, I wanted to start by asking you if, if January was a tough time for you over the years. Well, January is like one big giant Monday, you know. We kind of all think we'd <laughs> we'll, we'll start on Monday. So in January, we're going to say, okay, we're going to like start and be the best at everything on January 1st. And, you know, you often even have a new diary to start writing in and, um, you know, make all the best plans and, you know, set all these sometimes unachievable targets for yourself when in reality, it's it's okay to set you know big goals and big targets but you have to take steps along the way to get there you can't just kind of decide to do one big thing and think you're going to get there magically like you do have to take steps to get there and so i think when you're looking at a big goal and a big target like i mean a marathon is the perfect example you know and you know set picking a date and then working backwards from that and working out, OK, how am I going to get myself there? And, you know, it can seem a long way away and it can seem like you've got a lot of time. But when you break things down, you know, it, it, it comes around pretty quickly. Like I was just looking back there at, um, you know, how far you've come, Charlotte, and, you know, how much you've improved. And, you know, I think you've been running for about five months. Is that right? 
Yeah, I guess we started on the 24th of August. So four, four months. I was trying to work. Yeah. yeah, so just, well, it'll be, you know, four and a half months by the time we get to the end of the year. And, I mean, you've improved out of sight. It's unbelievable. And, you know, when you look back, and looking back is a great way to look forward. You know, you look back and you kind of assess what you've achieved and, you know, how you feel about that and how you feel you can... I suppose we all want to improve on these things and we all want to be better and do more. And I suppose you try and weigh up how you're going to do that. Well, for some people, Sonia, the, you know, some people <laughs> looking back is the worst way looking forward because they go, oh, no, no, no. If I go back and look at how many times I've tried to do something in January, I'll be reminded of why you shouldn't bother at all. I mean, I really appreciate the praise. As Tina will tell you, I respond extremely well to praise, but we all do. And there, this is a unique time of isolation and being on your ownness and uh, you, you know, I think that's partially why Strava has blown up and the Irishman Abroad Strava running club has worked so well for me is because there is a sense that there's an audience, that there's a uh, less so an audience, more a community of people behind you going, you can do it. And I talked a couple of weeks ago about the Strava anxiety of posting things to Strava and not being altogether proud with the numbers that you're posting. And, you know, that that again can be a problem with what we're talking about here is the concern for what others might think. I, I do want to ask you this question, though. You know, everyone is uh, was all for this episode because they they get that January is, is tough. I mean, there's there's mental health campaigns and uh, every business <laughs> runs its itself around the idea that, OK, well, we need a we need to focus on January and prepare for January because it's going to be a hard month. Was it hard for you? Like, it, it, please don't tell me that. No, no, I was I was Sonia Sullivan. I was zeroed in on my my world championship. It had to be hard for you, right? Yeah, it definitely wasn't all, you know, it wasn't easy all the time. And it definitely wasn't, you know, smooth, plain sailing. There was there was definitely a few rocky roads in January and early in the year, there was always a few rocky roads. And, and part of the reason was because I operated on, like I trained quite hard and then I raced really hard in the summertime. And then by the time I get to the end of September, I'd be run out and I'd have nothing left that I would come to a complete standstill and I'd be stopped and I'd be really looking forward to just doing nothing. And I just didn't, I had no mind for training or going for a run or anything like that. And I would take at least two weeks and do absolutely nothing. Eat and drink what I wanted. <laughs> and then you'd get to the point and you'd be sick of that. And you'd be saying, right, I need to start again now. And your mind would be still thinking like it was, you know, two or three weeks ago, where you're running around at 100 miles an hour. And it was always really difficult for me to start back training because I would, of course, be unfit. And, you know, it, it took time to get back and I wasn't very patient and I would jump straight back in and start running and you'd be sore all over. And inevitably, I would get injured and, you know, make mistakes. 
And it was a strange thing, as you kind of think. And I, when I look back now, I kind of view myself in, in many ways as a semi-professional athlete because a lot of the time I made decisions myself and I didn't really have the master plan, you know, of you know how to be the perfect athlete. And a lot of the time I did make mistakes and, and I would end up injured and find myself in, you know, the depths of winter coming into January and not being able to run or to train at the level that I wanted to. Um, I can remember one year I came down to Australia and I think it was 1996, early in the year, and I'd been here the year before and, you know, had a really good run of training and races down here. But in 96, I came to Australia for a warm weather training, but I couldn't run because I was injured. And I had to go training in the swimming pool. And it was the last thing I wanted to do. Even though, you know, if I was to look at it now, I'd be thinking, well, you can go in the outdoor swimming pool in Australia. It's great. <laughs> but I remember being in a swimming pool, and it was an indoor pool, with David Matthews, an Irish 800-meter record holder. And we used to be killing each other in the swimming pool, but I absolutely hated it. It was like the worst thing ever, you know, just running in the swimming pool, aqua jogging, we call it. Yeah. You know, I I would get to a point where I'd get into it, but for the, until I could really, you know, convince myself that this was good for me and that, you know, I'm running in the pool because I can't run outside. So I'm just doing inside, in the swimming pool, what I would be doing outside. <laughs> and I even have company, so. But, you know, you're. I suppose when you're doing something that you'd rather be doing something else, you're just not happy, are you? And you have to kind of convince yourself to do it. And then eventually I would get into it so much that when I started back running, I wanted to keep doing this because I suppose you're, it was taking up so much time of my day. And then when you start back running, you wouldn't take up that much time at all. <laughs> you'd think, what am I going to do with all these extra hours in my day? <laughs> I mean, this is really interesting stuff because, like, let's face it, we we all look over the garden fence and think, why does the other fella not have these thoughts or worries, or concerns about uh, struggles with goals and uh, motivation? But it's going to be heartening for people to hear what you've just said, Sonia, because of the the image, the lofty image that place that people have in their minds for you and it, your toughness that way. This is completely natural, what everyone's feeling right now. And hearing you say that helps me think it too, because like you say, we've come an awful long way and most of the people listening to this probably have a big goal on the horizon. But, you know, the, that feeling that you just described of I could be doing something else. Is this right? Is the uh, am I going about this all wrong? Will I ever get there? All these little voices in our heads that you know just niggle away at you. Are they a reflection of a poor target or smaller goal? Are they not less of a reflection of your weak will and more of a reflection of how oh, well you didn't articulate the target specifically enough? In the same way as you've said to me from the very start, that each run needs to have a purpose. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a big goal, and the big goal is always far away. 
<laughs> be like Father Ted now. <laughs> <laughs> the big near far away. The big goal is far away, Dougal. Okay, I'm with you so <laughs> far. <laughs> but before you know it, you'll be really close. <laughs> and you'll be panicking and wondering if you've done enough. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I was out in a sailing boat about just over under a year ago with Annalise Murphy and um, I was actually out with her coach in the training boat watching her sailing and I looked it up and I saw these yachts and I said oh they were really far <laughs> they were really, they're really close now <laughs> they were really far away before <laughs> so it was definitely a father's head moment <laughs> No, look, so I know, I I know it's up. silly. I know it's, it sounds silly, but I like the the far the far awayness of the goal. I think is probably what January brings about, right? Is what you're talking about. That like it feels far away, but it's it's not actually that far away. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because you can put it on the long finger and you can say, "Ah, sure, I've loads of time. I'll just uh, you know I'll plod around here," and you don't need to be specific for a while, but. What you do need to do is you need to have the big plan and like what you've done so far. And I mean, I think it's a really good idea to focus on, you know, your plan at the moment and, you know, where you've come from and where you're going to. And I know you kind of sometimes stop and you think, you know, is this impossible? Am I really am I like, you know, overreaching here and, you know, just saying this out loud, what I want to do to run. 2000 kilometers to complete the Dublin Marathon. And when you say it out loud like that, it can seem like a lot. But when you break it down, and that's what you need to do is it's they call it periodization of your training. So you break it down into different blocks of training. And, you know, when you complete one block of training, then you would often have had a little test to see where you're at. And then you move on to the next block. And you're always trying to do some tweak things a little bit to make yourself better. And that doesn't always mean running faster or running further. It can sometimes mean just getting better at what you've, where you've got to. And, you know, so what you've done right now over the past few months is you've built a pretty solid foundation. So you're at a stage now where you can actually set a goal and a target and you know you know you can run and you know what pace you can run and you've you know sometimes gone beyond the pace that you ever thought you could run <laughs> definitely i mean I, I absolutely had that experience at the weekend i, I uh, i'm not going to bang on about this but I, I think that this is this ties in really well with what what we're about to get into here that if we take my my arc or the goal that I have, maybe the listeners can then apply what you're about to say to there. So so my starting point was like when I look back on it, as you say, it is a good way of looking forward. When I look back on some of those early runs, <laughs> I wonder if you thought, is he walking these or is he running these? <laughs> because my face was like in the six, like above closer to seven minutes per kilometre. Uh, and I was like scratching my head going, was that really me? Because at the weekend, you know, I I probably ran nearly 11 in just around or a five minute pace. And I kind of couldn't believe it. it. It was what, 
you d- you had said don't have the the phone or the phone or the watch telling you how fast you're going, how far you're going. Just do it as a run, and it you know it blew it blew my mind, but it it made me go. Well, it made me scratch my head about well, what what is the target anymore at all, uh, and do we can we can we now look with you today as to well what would a training block look like if we know that two thousand is the is the goal uh, at the end of uh, October, and the Dublin City Marathon is the goal? How would we how would we take that data that we have now, and what would you say I do next? Well, I think like you, you, you pretty much know what you can do now, and and the running that you do for an hour is it's pretty decent running. Like, I mean, I could go for a run with you for an hour now, and I'd enjoy it. And you know, there was definitely a point where I was wondering. I remember we were going to meet up in Bushy Park in Teddington one time in October when I was on my way back here. And I was thinking about going for a 10k run first and then I'd meet you and go for a run. How <laughs> <laughs> <A> condescending. <laughs> a condescending pre-run 10k. <laughs> I'll tire myself out so that I don't make this fellow look like an idiot. <laughs> okay. But now I would it's have like no going to somebody's going house to... where you know where the food is going to be crap and stopping at McDonald's <laughs> on the way. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but I think, you know, you've definitely got to the point now where, you know, the foundation is set. And if you if you visualize it like you're building a house. So now you can actually have the framework of the house is next. So now you need to kind of build a bit of I suppose you what you do is you kind of test yourself and see what what else you can do, because you've got lots of time. So, you know, if we're looking at the Dublin Marathon is in October the end of October, mm-hmm. you know, that's too far away to even think about being specific right now. So you still have to, you know, get a bit better at what you're doing, um, do some longer runs, some faster runs, some, I suppose, if there was races, we would do races. And that would be really interesting to see how you get on with things like that. And there will be races at some point. So we, you know, you still have to keep working away towards that. And I mean, it, it would be amazing, you know, if there was races in Ireland in April would be absolutely unbelievable. I mean, it's it's hard to see how, you know, they'll be back to the level that we're used to, but they may be back to some level. And what would be the purpose? Like, I know that it's it's a different ball game, and you were saying the park runs would be great, but the purpose there is like what I'm missing out on there and what we're all missing out on is it just the adrenaline and the the kind of mental test of the surroundings and the crowd yeah it's like just the, the I suppose the big event and the having you know something to look forward to that other people are looking forward to as well and you rise to the challenge and like I find sometimes now that I actually run better by myself. And sometimes if I turn up and try and run with people, you can get a bit tense and the pressure and the expectation that you might run better. It just kind of tightens you up a little bit and you can't relax and you just can't run properly. Like, so on, on Christmas morning when I went for my run and I went for my fast mile and 
I did it so much better than the 5K the week before when I was at the track. And when I met somebody there, it was like by meeting somebody, you kind of nearly set the bar a bit higher than you were ready for. And I think you, you get used to it after a while. And, you know, you don't worry about the other people. So you, you're in a race and you use the people in the race to help you rather than being worried about not being able to keep up with people or, you know, the the kind of it's it can take your breath away sometimes the start of a race because people go so fast and then you have to settle down into your own pace so what do we what do we do in the absence of that i mean if that is like i can totally hear what you're saying there that if i was able to go and that race is going to be the end of that block of training and the the true test of where i'm at what what can our listeners do in the absence of that, would you recommend? So in the absence of races, I think you can test yourself in training. There's different ways of doing it in training sessions. And oftentimes we can run along at, you know, our normal running pace and then we can go at our threshold pace. But what we're really missing is that pace that takes you out of your comfort zone and is kind of pushes you beyond what you'll allow yourself to do when you're out there by yourself, you know, on your normal training and in the controlled environment. And that's what races do is races kind of shock you into doing stuff that you don't know you can do it and you surprise yourself. And then when you do that, it gives a huge boost to your training because you do something that you could never do in training. I know some people are different in and some people can go out there and I've seen people, particularly over the past year, you know, people who go out there and they do time trials at like the same level that they would run a race. But for a lot of people, they you get it's a bit like probably you going on stage, like all of a sudden <laughs> you know, you're you're different than you don't get that same sense or the same feeling when you're practicing and doing things at home. But when you're out there in front of people and, you know, for you and for me now, the people that you're out in front of would be your family and your friends and, you know, your training partners, you know, people who know that you're out there giving it your best and they want to see you do well. And by you knowing that they want to see you do well, you want to do well as well. So it's a bit of a kind of you're matching each other, you know, in the expectation, then in the trying to, you know, match the expectation and provide a, a result that you can be happy with and then you can enjoy it afterwards. And I think, you know, that's a big thing that people are missing that you don't get out of a time trial. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think the analogy of uh, the stage is, is a really dead on one because you just can't practice stand up in the mirror. It just does not. It's in, it's uh, and running is very similar in that that sensation of performance on the big day can't be replicated. It just cannot. It's just not the same. And I think our minds have a weird radar for it as well, because there's probably some sort of uh, evolutionary safety catch in there that says, no, no, you're still OK. You're not being chased by the herd. Um, that makes you not actually 
break that barrier that you're talking about of expectation of what you can do. Do we then need, Sonia, to go really clearly as a group and as an Irishman running a broad challenge club? What event we do at the end of each month now? Do we need to think a bit more clearly about what our remote events are going to be? And is it not a bad idea now for us to put out three events maybe for January, February, March so that we can go right well through these darker months? We have these three and that takes us to sunshine in spring. And I am talking very, you know, uh, northern hemisphere centric here. But for my own head, that makes sense. Does that make sense to you? Is that what you're recommending? Yeah, I think that that's a really good idea. And I think, you know, we've focused a lot recently on 5Ks because a 5K is very achievable. And it's something that, you know, initially it was just to complete the distance and then it was to do it a bit faster. And then now it's to get, I suppose now you know you can do it. So there's there's no real challenge in the 5K. You know, at this stage there's not. So I think we need to look at different distances and maybe even different courses and not always be focused on the time, but on the effort and knowing that you've put in a really good hard effort. So it might be a course that you've run a regular training run. You know, you might run this loop at least once every week and then you say, OK, I'm going to give a really hard effort on this now and see what I can do. And use that as a bit of a guide. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, the other thing that's great about that is that all of our listeners know that loop in their heads. They know where they go for that Sunday run. And are you so are you saying that that should be our our January event is to take your your long running loop uh, and make the end of the month your target for giving this the hardest blast you can? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, something around like five miles, I think, would be a good distance. So. It doesn't have to be exactly five miles, but something that's going to take you about. So what does five miles take these days? Um, so <laughs> that's 8K. So, yeah, it's like going to be 40 minutes or so or less, you know, depending on your level. If like 40 minutes is like a, so it's not an hour. It's not half an hour. It's it's a little bit more. So it's kind of extending you a little bit. And it's it's taking people out of their comfort zone where. You know, you can get comfortable doing a 5K, but I think once you go beyond that, then you've got to, mentally, it's a bit tougher and, and it's not quite a 10K either. And, and then it's not comparable either to, you know, common distances and common races. Yeah, so yeah that, that's important too. I think we should too. all find our loops and go out there and, you know, decide that we're going to really give it a go. And, and I suppose the thing is you don't, you might as well not go too fast in the next few weeks <laughs> so that you can really improve on it. Okay. You know, so that's a kind of you know, thinking that, like, I, that I'm not used to, Sonia, to be honest with you. I don't, like, I, I really am flying blind. I have no, like, I am completely at your mercy. I don't even pretend to tell people what I know, I know what I'm doing. You're saying that for, for us to go, right, I'm going to give this 8K loop that I normally do, on a Sunday, a good blast or whatever 40 minutes is for you as a runner listening to this, I need to slow it down for the month of January in order to go faster at the end. Is that correct? 
Yeah, well, you don't want to keep opening the oven and looking in to see how you're going. So if you're <laughs> constantly checking, you know, well, yeah. where am I at this week, then you're kind of cheating a little bit because then you'll know too much. So hmm. I think when you do this loop, and it's 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 your easy run and your the run that you like to do. Like when I was training in Teddington, um, just outside London, we used to run around Bushy Park all the time. And it was a really big thing to, you know, run around Bushy Park in less than 40 minutes. Then you knew you were going at a decent pace. Hmm. And then every now and then you'd give it a really good blast and try and, you know, set the, the world record. <laughs> and there was all sorts of people who would be running around this park, you know, from Kenyan athletes. Or Moses Kiptanui used to run around there in, you know, 32 minutes or something. And uh, but then he told us that he was. Then he told us he was using his Seiko watch that he got at Zurich, and he would just look at the watch when he went in the gate, and it wasn't even a stopwatch. <laughs> oh, wow, how annoying! <laughs> so he started to wonder. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then there was a, there was a path that was kind of against the wall of the park, and then there's the one that's not so against the wall. So there's lots of different variations, but you know, I suppose the loop. As much as it's a loop that everybody does, everybody has their own little quirks and different ways that they do it. So in a way, it's it's kind of a personal loop for everybody when you go out to challenge yourself because whenever you do that run, you run the same line. And I always say it's like, I don't know if you know, in um, when they do the big city marathons, like the London Marathon and the Olympic marathons and world championships, they have a blue line on the road that marks the shortest distance of the race. So oftentimes if you're running around the park with somebody else, you will run your line. And it's like as if you're following a blue line and you sometimes you crash into people if if it's someone who's running with you that you don't normally run with because you're taking the line that you always take, but they don't know that you're taking that line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this is I think this is a this is a fantastic idea for the end of January event. And I will set this up in Strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman abroad in our running club there. People can join up right away. Uh, it'll be up there by the time this episode goes up and then maybe offline. You and I can discuss what events, what event we do for February and March. And I'll load those up. Two, I want to get to a couple of questions that we've received on this subject before uh, we do a couple of shout outs. And the first is about this debate over both visualization and the sharing of goals. Now, there's a lot of people that believe that if you're going to try and quit cigarettes, you need to tell everybody I'm quitting cigarettes and then they're in it with you and they invest too. Now, I'm I'm kind of torn on this one because I I believe that sometimes then uh, a goal is different to uh, not doing, right? So if it's I'm not going to eat chocolate, it probably is helpful to tell your wife to stop buying chocolate in the shop <laughs> or, or to just try and not have it in my line of sight. On a side note, I really do attribute quitting chocolate to a big part of my improvement in the last few weeks. But I do think that when it comes to something like going, well, I'm going to run this time or I'm going to I'm going to take up running, which is what some of our listeners might be doing, that that 
that that is sometimes not helpful. What is your opinion on this? And do you do you agree with me at all there that there there can sometimes be counterproductive results from telling people your goals? No, I, I definitely think it's a great idea to tell people. I think write it down and then tell someone is the kind of way to go about it. Um, because otherwise the thought can go around in your head for a long time and you debate over it and you put it off and then you start too late so you don't bother. But I think if you tell someone that you're going to do something, you're 100% more likely to do it than if you just tell yourself and you know, you just try and keep it a secret and not tell anybody. I think you definitely have to tell somebody and you probably have to tell somebody who you know will be positive about it and who will be encouraging. <laughs> someone yeah. who's going to be on your side. Exactly. Not someone who's going to say, oh, no, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, how's <laughs> like, the book coming, Brian? <laughs> well, that could work we as well. Those. Like, if someone... Yeah. Sometimes if someone tells you you can't do something, you rise to the challenge and you show them that, no, I don't know, I bet you I can do, do this. Yeah, it do, really does depend on what your psychological makeup is. Does that work for you? Or are you one of those people that'll start getting annoyed with somebody who, who's going, I hope the running is going well. And you're like, feck off, I'll run whenever <laughs> I like. <laughs> um, so I, I think question, if you're trying to... I think if you're trying to prove to someone, you know, that you can do what they think you can't do, then it's probably a bit more secretive. But I think if you want people on side and people to, you know, make things, I suppose, easy for you or help you out along the way, then you definitely tell them. And yeah, you'll, you'll definitely, you know, help you, I think, to be more positive about what you're doing. And the days when you question yourself, you'll definitely get yourself a bit more ready for it because you know that someone's going to ask you about it. So I've probably been obsessed with this for, for a while. I'll be honest with you. I started reading, well, the first motivational goal setting book that I read that changed my life was by a US basketball coach called Rick Bettino. I'll have to look up the name of the book. But honestly, Sonia, I was a 15 year old who didn't try hard enough in school. And uh, this Rick Patino book, and he's a much maligned character now. He was involved in uh, some NCAA scandals, which I'd imagine most NCAA basketball coaches are involved in some sort of under the table payments. At this stage, it's nearly the exception rather than the rule. But this book changed everything for me at a very young age. I became a hard worker through learning how to set goals and figuring out how to create whys, which are essentially just motivation, but finding the why, you know, finding a really, really powerful one that makes me go, yeah, that's why I'm doing this. You know, Jigsaw.ie is a really powerful why for the Irishman Running Abroad Challenge, the idea that we could raise 50,000 euro for this incredible charity reaching this level of fitness that I've reached at the moment is a really powerful why for me. I would think that finding that why, as you just mentioned, whether it is I'll prove you wrong, uh, if that is what starts your engine, find it and do it. Over the course of your career, Sonia, you had to have a few, a few fuck you motivations and a few just 
this this would make me very happy <laughs> motivations <laughs> i did but i suppose i i i don't remember ever being really in that kind of frame of mind where i was angry you know about said i think i had to i i was i didn't operate very well when i was angry i could go out and do a run if i was angry or annoyed and come back happier but yeah for racing i definitely had to be in control and i had to be calm so i had to get the balance right to do that but i do remember one time and it was a pretty pivotal point in my career it was actually in 2000 and I ran a race in London. I ran a 5,000 meters. And I think I ran 15 minutes and 18 seconds, which, you know, I, I wasn't very happy about at the time. And I got beaten by people who I wouldn't have expected or thought I should get beaten by. And I was really disappointed. And it was, you know, it was only about six or seven weeks out from the Olympics. And, you know, all of a sudden I felt like that you know, how was I going to go to the Olympics if I could only run 15, 18 and, you know, finish down the field in a 5,000 metres. And I had a few more races planned and all of a sudden my confidence was gone and everything was gone and I kind of thought, no, I can't do this. And I spoke to this guy in Dublin and he was a life coach, which was a kind of a new, new age thing at the time, I suppose, 20 years ago. And he said to me, he said, I don't know if he sent me an email or I can't remember how this got to me. I spoke, I think I spoke to him eventually through one way or the other. And he said to me, what you need to do is you need to call up the journalist that you trust and tell him that you're going to run this 3000 meter race in Zurich on Wednesday night. So the race in London was Saturday. Zurich was Wednesday or Thursday night. And, um, Tell him you're going to run, you feel fine, and you're really looking forward to it. <laughs> and, you know, it was totally not me at all to be, you know, be kind of, I suppose, in a way you're kind of cocky, you know, going telling people this is what you're going to do. And I had to think about it. And I did. I called up Peter Byrne from the Irish Times. And I said, Peter, how's it going? Um, I'm going to Zurich on Wednesday and I'm running the 3,000. I didn't mention the 5,000 meters in London. And it was basically just telling him that everything is back on track. Um, there's no problem here. And then all of a sudden, I had to really perform and go out there and run well. Because I said I was going to. Yeah. <laughs> it was huge. Like, Amazing. And it wasn't a pressure thing. It was just a kind of, a, I suppose, getting back on the horse again. And obviously, if you're fit and you've been training hard, you know, you don't lose your fitness and your ability that easily, but mentally you can lose everything. Um, and it was really just a, a method of kind of, I suppose, re-engaging my mind and my body and, and belief and confidence again. And I went down and I ran in Zurich and I I think I finished second to Gabriella Zabo, who also won in the Olympics, um, but ran 8.27, and it was a time that I hadn't run, you know, for a good few years. So all of a sudden, my confidence was high again, and I'd got this boost of energy and adrenaline and forgot, you know, that things were so bad just a few days before. 
Unbelievable. Um, and who, was this, who was this coach in Dublin? Who, who was this life coach? Um, Do you remember who that was? His, name, his surname was Kelly, I think. I can't remember. I can't remember his name now. Um, somebody will. But it was a really strange one because, because I would have been very skeptical about people like this, you know, and I, I definitely it was definitely at that time where, you know, it wasn't common to speak with sports psychologists or, you know, to be aware of, you know, how important the mental side of, of sport was. But, you know, even though I was a bit wary of this kind of stuff, if someone said the right thing and it kind of clicked with me, then, or it made sense with me, you just need something that you connect with, I think, to make you believe Absolutely. and to commit. And he was very big also on writing things down and making a plan. And so I've always been very big on writing things down and just reinforcing in your mind, you know, what, what you'd like to do and, and how you plan to do it. And, and just convincing yourself that, you know, if you, if you do set a plan and you prepare properly, that you will, you know, you'll get results that you'll be happy with and results that, you know, you feel like you've earned them because you've worked for them. Well, let's write it down then. Let's fully write this next training block down and I will share it with the group and over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad where you can get access to absolutely every episode of Irishman Abroad ever released and as I say, this kind of bonus material. You'll also be supporting the show and allowing us to continue uh, into 2021 and beyond. I would love to have a few of you on board over there and maybe we'll do something very special for uh, the patrons of the running podcast specifically during uh, 2021. And as you say, Sonia, if we can get to Cove in April, that would be, I mean, that would be just the dream. Uh, there's so much on this very subject. Everywhere you look on the internet, if you go and just simply Google setting goals that motivate you or goal setting, there's just a stream of tips that come back. And as Sonia says, you may find one there that speaks to you. This is in many ways quite like finding the right doctor, that finding the right language and imagery or tone to this stuff, I think, is is the key that you, know, you might find a therapist that you just don't like talking to. You may find just through a simple Google or YouTube search the the language and um, motivation that you're going to need to get to wherever it is you want to go. Sonia, I do need to give a shout out to Bernard Slowly, one of the I think we call him a super fan of the podcast himself and his wife Joanne listen every single week Joanne turned 41 yesterday big one Joanne uh, so uh, happy birthday to you Joanne and thank you both for your support of the show a massive shout out to everyone who's been in touch with lovely Christmas messages the past week or so and a special shout out to Paddy Box who uh, have been incredibly generous to me over the Christmas period and if you if you haven't sent a paddy box this Christmas, there's still time. I mean, sending things in January, we're kind of in an age now where you can still send a Christmas card and go, oh, Jesus, the post has been terrible and people will understand. And I think you know better than anyone, Sonia, down in Australia. It just means so much. When my paddy box arrived and I got one for Tina as well that had 
specifically just had purple snacks, monster munch, and I think it had flogs in it. It also had a, a tree decoration that was an Irish telephone box and the shrieks <laughs> when it arrives. <laughs> I saw the telephone box. I have one of those as well and I love it. <laughs> They're so gorgeous and so oh, dinky. Fantastic. It's really Do you know, good. So, uh, one Christmas by getting me uh, uh, an Air Jordan clock, which I posted on Instagram, which is, uh, you know, 12 hours uh, uh, in Jordan sneakers from the Air Jordan one right to the 12. And, uh, you know, I have no idea how she got her hands on it, but she did it and uh, it blew my mind. Did you get anything uh, running related or anything kooky for Christmas? Nothing quite ex- exotic as a Michael Jordan shoe clock. <laughs> 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 yeah, and you got, also got me a foot massager as well, which is just a, basically a rolling pin for your feet, which uh, oh, everyone I in the house that. agrees is incredibly good. They're, they're pretty good, them, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what my best Christmas present was. <laughs> I normally buy something nice for myself, you know. I actually had, I did, <laughs> I went to the shopping centre like two nights before Christmas. You know, crazy. Like, why did I do this? I kind of thought, yeah, if I go at night time, I'll be OK. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I have never seen so many people, you know, in this day and age, <laughs> in mm. one place. I was like, oh, my God, this is frightening. I got to get out of here. Yeah, even the but thought of I that gives myself, me the sweat. Oh, it's awful. And I heard um, someone talking about it on the radio today because they went to the, uh, as they called them over here, the Boxing Day sales on St. Stephen's Day, you know. <laughs> And people were bumping in, you know, if you get bumped by somebody and you're so not used to that now because people are keeping their distance all the time and it freaks people out if they get bumped. And that happened to me as well when I was in the shopping center. It was like, it really does throw you. And you kind of think, no, I'm going to get what I need here now and I'm leaving. But what I, so I got myself, I got an oven dish. That was your birthday treat for you. (laughs) <laughs> that was my Christmas own present. Tree. Oh yeah. my god! But it was—it oh, was like a, the right size I needed, and uh, and I used it today to make a lovely Brussels sprout crumble. <laughs> we'll wow, have to go into that is, another day. Well, no, Sonia, we do need to get into this, and this might be this might be our next episode because I don't know if the listeners are aware of this, but some of your culinary creations are ridiculous the eating side of things is something that we definitely need to talk about in january because i do not know a single person who doesn't struggle to know what to eat what's creative and good tasty but great for a runner let's do that next week so if people want to email in their ideas or questions on the subject of making nice food for runners irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com is the way to get in touch or you can direct message me on Patreon for a much faster response patrons get immediate reaction to their messages whereas the email I, I have to kind of root through that and that takes a little bit longer but I would love to talk about that I mean I've seen some of the things that you've put up and I'm just like how the hell are, are you doing this it's obviously a passion of yours oh it is it's something I, I do enjoy cooking and I kind of take my time you know I came back from my run yesterday and um I created this it was just like a you know it was like a brunch type meal that you'd get in a cafe and um so I sat down to have it and Nick came over and he kind of looked over my shoulder and he goes oh what do you got in the bowl there and 
because <laughs> he was after having a quick, you know, <laughs> he yeah, just yeah. comes in and eats something fast. He's like, you know, it, it takes you about an hour to make it. <laughs> I'm like, I know, yeah, but then I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a lot in that. I mean, I do think there's a lot in that that I've slowed a bit down now towards that kind of idea that let's make this into an actual thing here. And I think there's an awful lot of Irish people abroad getting it this Christmas. Uh, why their mother may be in a slightly narky mood <laughs> after spending seven hours slaving over the kitchen and you at the Christmas dinner in 20 minutes. I want to give a very big shout out to Tina for the job she did on our Christmas dinner here. It was extraordinary and Mikey and I were so hungry we gobbled it down in maybe 15 minutes it was I said it was a testament to how good the food was I want to say a very uh, big happy new year and happy Christmas to all our listeners massive thanks to all of you for supporting the show the way you have and coming on board into the community it really has been a lifesaver and changer for for me I never thought we'd be here, Sonia, my, my first Christmas as a runner, and I never thought I'd be running the way I am. So that is down to you. That's massive thanks to you for that. And for our new listeners, people who are tuning in now going, I'm going to do it. This is going to be my thing this year. Welcome aboard. Get in touch and, you know, be part of the community, whatever level you're at even if you're just walking for a bit and running for a bit we'd love to hear from you Podcast at gmail.com jigsaw.ie are our chosen charity partner Brian Connolly is on production John Marr does extra research and Tina and Mikey I always say are the reason this whole thing has happened as they si- silently read their books downstairs hoping not to disturb each recording thanks to them as well Happy New Year to you Sonia I'll talk to you in 2021 uh, hopes for next year I'd also like to wish you a very happy new year and, um, you know, that we can we can keep this partnership going and keep, you know, striving to be to be better and to be enjoying running as much as you have been up until now um, for next year. Oh, I think. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we, we can aim for a thousand runners in our group would be great. Mm-hmm. I've seen today the numbers are creeping up there. We're, yeah. we're, we're well, we're well over 500 now. And, um, yeah, I mean, just to really continue to enjoy running and hopefully that we can all get back traveling and get together again soon in in more normal kind of circumstances and, you know, be able to go out there and to to hug people when you meet them and, um, you know, feel the warmth that everybody has for each other. Absolutely. There will be hugs, that's for sure. Uh, Sonia O'Sullivan, thank you again. And we will talk to you all uh, with Marion McKeown on Friday when we do our weird review of the year in US politics. And boy, oh boy, there has been some weird moments. Marion has been putting together a list of the most bizarre moments from this crazy year. And we'll have a bit of a laugh and obviously some serious moments too. But that's this Friday on An Irishman in America. America. Thanks again, Sonia. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Have a great week.
Take your sleep. 